Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Jane Gentry Vance, who published as Jane Gentry, was a true Kentuckian, born in Lexington and raised on a farm in Athens, Kentucky. She left the state for Holland University to pursue a a writing and teaching career. In 1972, she returned to Kentucky to embark on a career that would span 40 years teaching creative writing, mentoring students, and raising a family. She wrote poetry that was deeply rooted in place. In 1995, she published A Garden in Kentucky. In 2006, she published Portrait of the Artist as a White Pig. She held the office of Port Laureate of Kentucky. Sadly, she passed away in 2014. At this year's Kentucky Book Fair on November the 18th at the Kentucky Horse Park uh, All-Tech Arena, Jane Gentry will be celebrated with the publication of the new and collected poems of Jane Gentry, the definitive collection of her work. This new work is edited by Julia Johnson, a professor of English at the University of Kentucky. Professor Johnson teaches in the university's MFA program and is the author herself of three collections of poetry. Professor Johnson, welcome to the, our Think Humanities podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I know that it was uh, an honor for you to, to know Jane Gentry Vance, uh, to work with her and, and to, um, to be um, a reader of her work. And, um, but for someone that you might meet uh, here in Kentucky or that you might meet at the book fair that, that doesn't know her, did not know her as intimately as you did, what would you say to them? Well, um, I wouldn't say that I knew Jane intimately, <laughs> um, but I would say that I that her work um, preceded, I guess, my my friendship with her um, as you know a colleague. Um, so I went to Holland's College um, just about well exactly uh, thirty years after Jane did, and so. In my introduction, I talk a bit about um, a bit about her, and um, I knew her name long before I met her. Um, Hollins has such a long history of writers, and so she was one of the the list of names. Um, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner Henry Taylor, um, Annie Dillard, also Pulitzer Prize winner um, Lee Smith, Elizabeth Seidel Morgan. Jane Gentry. These were all the writers who, you know, as a as a young writer at Hollins, um, we all kind of aspired to to be, but also hoped we would meet one day. Um, and I never had the opportunity to meet her um, when I when I knew that I had an interview coming up uh, to for a faculty position here at UK. I called my mentor. Um, Richard Dillard, who um, still teaches at Hollins, who knew Jane, um, he was sort of, uh, he didn't actually teach Jane, but he, because he sort of arrived 
um, just as she was leaving to go to Chapel Hill um, to to study uh, to do pursue further study with um, Louis Rubin, who was the founder of the Hollins program. Um, I called Richard and I said, I'm going to interview at the University of Kentucky. I was in Mississippi at the time teaching at the University of Southern Mississippi. And I said, you know, on the faculty list, you know, the way you do as a, someone who's applying for a new position, you look at the faculty. And I said, you know, there's a there's Jane Gentry is on the faculty there. And, um, and she's an LSU poet. And um, don't you, you know, it says, you know, she went to Hollands around the same time. I mean, you must know who she is. And he said, no, I don't, I don't know who that is. Um, and he, you know, uh, has a wonderful memory. But, you know, obviously there are a lot of writers in his mind sure. and in his life who yeah. he has to keep track of. Yeah. And he only knew her in, like, his immediate, like, you know, just mm-hmm. me calling him out of the blue to ask him about this as Jane Vance. Yes. And so, you know, I I Googled her. I Googled Jane Gentry, and there she was standing in the famous green drawing room in the photo, which is at Holland's, mm-hmm. and, um, and it was a recent picture. So I was really thrilled to find out that there was, you know, would be a colleague, um, a poet, um, someone who went to the same tiny college <laughs> that I went to in, in Roanoke, Virginia. And so, you know, my my meeting with her uh, was, you know, in this very building, Patterson Office Tower. Um, I guess it was, I'm trying to, so I interviewed the year before I actually started here. So I think it was must have been 2000. 10 or 2011 I can't Mm. remember exactly um, right now but I was walking down the hall of the 12th floor I'd come out of the restroom and she was coming towards me and I just knew her from her picture and then she you know instead of the sort of awkward moment when you're meeting someone who you're about to be interviewed you know for a faculty position she gave me a huge hug (laughs) and I think that sort of says um I mean, it was funny and a little bit, you know, strange because it, but it also put me at ease. Um, and uh, I think that's what she did for a lot of people. I mean, she's extremely warm um, and uh, generous um, as a as a colleague, and always so supportive um, of, you know, particularly women. I think in the department. Um, so anyway, from the, from the moment I met her, we had that connection of Holland's, um, but, but also, you know, I had read her, you know, I had her books, um, (laughs) you know, I had read her poems, um, as a student at Holland's, so it was just kind of putting it all together, and it was just really wonderful that I would be able to, you know, work with her, and, um, of course, it was really tragic that you know my my time with her in the same department was was um, so short. Um, so she had, um, uh, I guess, uh, or it was about that time, but maybe just a, a year or two later. W- was she still poet laureate at the time? She was. Let's see. Um, I sometimes get the years uh, mixed up. So yeah, she and was, I was going to look too to see what. Uh, so so it it was either she was. Maybe maybe in her second year at that time. Yes, that's right. And um, 
I'm, I'm looking to. Oh yes, uh, 2000. Oh, 2007, 2008. So she she had. Oh, so yeah. she had completed mm-hmm. her her term as yeah. poet laureate. You know, yeah. several years before I got here. Right. What before you met her, and and of course I think that always in in some ways colors. Um, your uh, thoughts about a particular writer or uh, someone that you're meeting for the first time, uh, uh, that you've, you've either read their work or you've read of them and you have this sort of picture. Um, what was it about her, you said, warm and, and, and she made you feel at, at ease? Had you already gotten some of that from her as a poet in, in some of her work? Definitely. I mean, it was, she's, I think, um, I think that the disparity between um, Jane uh, as a poet and Jane as a person is much um, smaller (laughs) than, than what can be said for most or, or many poets. Um, What I mean by that is that her, her work is so closely rooted in her own experience, right? Which, I mean, she's a very different poet, for example, than the one that I am. Um, her, her, her life is sort of right there in the poems. Um, people in her family are named by their actual names in the poems. Um, place, right? The actual places in Kentucky. Um, Athens is, you know, mentioned. If we did a search for Athens, Kentucky, in this collection, we would probably find many, um, many times in which the the name is used. Um, Gentry, you know, is used. So, I mean, her poems are autobiographical, by and large. But it's not to say that they are all that way or that they don't move in and out of imaginary spaces in the way poems do, right? Um, So they're not, you know, poems by their very nature are not tiny memoirs, really. They are, you know, sort of more uh, lyrical, obviously, and, and imagistic. And so what she is able to do is kind of move in and out of um, a kind of autobiography into her mind. And so that's what that that's kind of her, I guess, one of her trademarks is um, that being able to do that so comfortably. So if you read her poems, you will know her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she, I think, is very brave in her poems in that way, um, in that she writes directly about experience, whether it's, you know, the most joyful experiences of, you know, the, the births of her grandchildren or, you know, her daughters, right? There are many poems in here about Lucy and Susanna, who are her daughters. Um, and so, you know, you the, as a reader, you're not left wondering, are these her daughters? Or is this a persona poem? Is this about, is this another, is this Jane writing 
through the, you know, the veil or guise of someone else. No, it's it's always um, she's always there. She leaves it on the page. She does. But yet there are really wild poems as well, which is one of the wild in that um, I guess what I mean by wild is unexpected and surprising and strange moments in the poems. Um, and I think that that was something that I really got to know in editing the collection because I feel that those really come out in the later poems. Um, and I, as an editor, there's always that sort of um, question of, you know, did she want this to be? published right uh, on a pr- in a you know a particular mm-hmm. poem in a because collection in a collection right so when um well first i should say that jane and um that lucy i'm sorry lucy and Susanna, her daughters this collection would not have happened um without them without their um support but also they were able to you know call through and go through many many um you know, boxes and files and including computer files of her manuscripts. And she wasn't... So let, let me ask you to, yeah. to leave leave Jane's work uh, on the table here for just yes. a moment and, and tell me... Sorry, a, I'm probably rambling. No, 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 no it's, 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 it's really interesting. And I want to return <laughs> to that. And I want to return to the, to the, to the essence and to the body of, of uh, who she was through her poetry and how she did leave her life on the page for... But I want to go down a different path for just a moment and, and ask you about the editing process and how all how you were chosen uh what what your responsibility was H- had you had you edited a, a collection before this well i hadn't edited a collection a, a, of a poet's work but i was served as editor of the mississippi review um and i put together a giant volume which was basically um you know, the decades of work that was published, had been published by Frederick Barthelme um, until he retired, um, sort of from the start of his editorship until his retirement. And so I put together this, you know, several hundred page (laughs) um, issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've also done, been guest editor Mm -hmm. of, of several um, issues, but this was my first um, project, uh, you know, of, of someone's work. And did, did someone come to you, or, or did you suggest uh, that you so could do this? I would say that I suggested it, um, and it Good was for you. <laughs> thank you. And it was it was actually before Jane died, um, which brings me so much joy, <laughs> um, and. I just feel I feel so good about the fact that she knew that this was going to happen um, before she passed away. Um, And it was a suggestion. I suggested it to um, Lucy. Um, And then, you know, I just decided one day to call the University Press of Kentucky um, and Steve Wren was the director at the time and I said, here's, you know, here's an idea. And then, you know, we just sort of, um, we 
you know, it took it took a number of years. Um, she she passed away in 2014, and we're in 2017 now. So um, it took a number of years to um, to kind of to gather the work. How soon, um, if you had the original idea, mm-hmm. and you uh, approached, did you approach Jane? Is that the way that works? Well, or and then when did the daughters get involved? Um, let's see. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. The daughters, um, Lucy and Suvan- Susanna, were involved from the very beginning. I, you know, wanted them. Um, if I was going to do it, I wanted it to be um, a collaborative project. Um, I think that I guess um, hmm, my memory is a little bit foggy on this, but I think it was just that uh, you know after after well Jane definitely knew that this was going to happen, but she wasn't a part of the conversation um, about putting it together. But she she definitely died knowing that her unpublished work was going to be published in a collection. Um, Now, there was, I guess, some discussion at some point between um, Lucy and Susanna and the editors um, and myself about whether it would be that we would publish just, you know, the new poems, just new new and selected poems so we had to get the rights from LSU Press for the first two collections so the first two collections which you mentioned in your introduction to this podcast um, are printed exactly as they appear Um, they aren't rearranged Um, and so those are those are there Um, and then let's see if we're looking we're flipping through the table of contents. Yeah, yeah, we're looking because, and I want you to um, also tell uh, me, for for someone as um, as prolific in her writing career as, as Jane was, uh, her long time, um, her, her tenure here at the University of Kentucky, but only two volumes of, of published poetry. Yes. Uh, you you um, have three yourself already. Um, is that unusual, or is that a, a, a bit odd that they there there was not? And the the latter uh, collection was p- published not that long ago. So that's right. So if you look at um, so her first collection did not um, appear until 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, Gentry was a scholar. So she, she, her PhD um, was in literature, and she published and and wrote lots of critical essays. Um, and so she didn't begin to publish. I mean, she published her first poem when she was a, an undergraduate at Holland. So it's mm-hmm. not that she wasn't publishing individual poems or wasn't known as a poet because she certainly was but she didn't publish a collection of poems until 1995 and then so, the second collection 2006 right and so i would say that um you know that she <laughs> was extremely dedicated as a teacher hmm. 
right? She she came to UK to teach in the Honors College. Um, she was a mother of two daughters. Um, she had a lot of a lot of things going on in her life, um, and so, and she wasn't. I don't think, you know, when she was hired, she wasn't hired as a poet. There wasn't a creative writing program per se, you know, at that time. And so she transitioned into the English department. Um, So I wouldn't say that it's unusual. Um, I would say that in looking through her, her poems, I've, I've learned that she was a perfectionist. Mm. Um, that her poems went through several drafts. Um, she was a member of a group called the Art Group, which was a um, a group with um, Mary Ann Taylor, Taylor Hall. Hall, who wrote the the prologue mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. um, collection. And that group went on for ten years. And um, in that group, she was writing poems. So I think that. You know, it just took a while, as it often does for people, to publish a collection, a single volume of poems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those poems in that collection are many of those poems. I don't have that book with me, but um, were published over many, many years. So before they were published in that collection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's I think that explains mm-hmm. maybe sure, it does. Um, and then you know there were quite a few poems that are included here that were not published <laughs> um, during like they were not selected to be put into her first two volumes so the the poems that are in the late poems or the last section I say include late poems as well as selected poems that are not included in the first two collections, if that makes sense. It does. It does very much so. And and um, so let me return now to the other path, and, yes. and that is, um, if you, this is a difficult question, uh, if you had to sort of boil down the um, the essence of, of a Jane Gentry Vance, I always knew her as Jane right. Gentry, um, <laughs> poem, if you had to boil down the essence of a Jane Gentry Vance, if you had to, uh, let's just pretend that uh, this is a a freshman or sophomore writing class, you're teaching poetry, uh, and you use a Jane Vance poem as uh, an example of something, um, teaching point that you're trying to make. What would you say? What what how would uh, what would you choose? Not necessarily the poem, but but what's important about her work? Well, if you don't mind, and I'm going to be honest that I'm going to use um, my own words from the introduction because I really thought long and hard about how to, as you say, boil it down in the first two sentences of the introduction. Um, I say the poems of Jane Gentry are bold, original, and precise. Their voice is that of a poet deeply rooted in place. Whether the setting is a wide landscape or the small space of a room, we share 
in Jane Gentry's unexpected observations and follow the rhythm of her speaking voice. I'm going to go on and just read one more sentence. Each poem reveals something new, always with clarity and astonishingly lyrical grace. So I think that the, the two words that really stick out to me are precise clarity, um, precise and clarity. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying about the poems being heavily revised. Um, and also, she was just such a careful uh, poet in terms of the what word she would use in a particular <laughs> line. And so in, in some of the drafts, we were able to see, I say we, <laughs> I was able to see that, um, that, you know, she made a choice after, you know, several, you know, there would be a crock, she would cross out a word and change it um, to another word um, and maybe not change anyth- anything else in the poem. Um, but definitely place is mm-hmm. also something that I would, as a professor of creative writing, her poems are perfect examples of, of place. And also her way, the way in which she describes Kentucky landscape um, and also as humans, I think, within the landscape and our relationship to the landscape um, without being sort of, you know, I wouldn't call her an environmental writer, um, but I would say that there's a kind of connection uh, that the speaker, who, again, always seems to be Jane in the poem, has to her home. not just uh, the place, but like the actual house, you know, <laughs> house and things, objects. Room. Room. The room where she is. Yes, yeah. always. Um, the, uh, the collection is the, the New and Collected Poems of Jane Gentry, edited by Julia Johnson, a professor at uh, UK in the English department and uh, teaches in the MFA program. Uh, Julia will be... Uh, at the Kentucky Book Fair on November 18th uh, with a number of other uh, wonderful poets and uh, writers and authors um, from outside of Kentucky and and Kentuckians uh, uh, through and through. Uh, And um, uh, we invite everybody to come out to the Kentucky Horse Park, uh, the Alltech Arena, on November the 18th for this. Uh, Julie, as we we close out our conversation, let me just uh, ask you, a- a- as a poet, uh, as a writer, uh, as a professor, why, why would you suggest to someone um, that they read poetry? Well, um, you know, it, it seems uh, that right now um, there's a lot of reasons to sort of escape (laughs) what is happening in the climate. But I think that that's been going on since the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. really. Um, And that poetry has always been a way to escape, a way to 
look at the world differently, a way to look uh, more, I think, carefully, differently, but also um, if we think of poetry as art, um, which I do, um, and a kind of visual art, which is something that sort of is imagined by the poet who has put this world on the page. I think that, you know, it's a way of seeing. It's a way of seeing all kinds of things, um, just as literature, uh, all literature does, right? It sort of introduces us to new characters. It introduces us to new places. Um, it's, I think, one of the most important things we can do in a day is to read a poem um, and to appreciate language for its music and its construction and what it shows us. Um, we are currently bombarded with technology all of the time and there is something very simple about a poem um, and it's easy to to read it right it's simple but what happens is that when you start to read the poem you realize that there are many many layers and that it's not simple and that it's complex um, and so that's one of the things I love about poetry and I think that everyone should try it if they have never <laughs> done it they should read a poem so let's conclude by asking you to read one of uh, Jane uh, Gentry's uh, poems uh, which is in the collection again available from the University Press of Kentucky uh, this is uh, filler material here as uh, <laughs> Julia finds uh, uh, a, a, a proper uh, not the definitive poem of, of Jane Gentry, but maybe something that uh, is uh, uh, representing of her of her work and of the work that she did for so many years and, and the care that she took in, in crafting uh, words. And um, she was a lovely, lovely person, uh, was always very involved in the uh, literary community in Kentucky. Uh, did uh, such a, a wonderful job as all of the the poet laureates do of representing um, uh, the state and and visiting so many school children and and um, and and talking about poetry. What 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 do you what do you find? Well, one of the things that's interesting about Gentry's work is the range of poems in terms of their length. So she wrote really long poems and also tiny poems. So. I have one of each, and I wanted to ask you which one we had time for. Uh, um, would it be terribly unfair to uh, to, to edit uh, on a, a live podcast or recording um, uh, one of the longer ones, if you could just read just a little bit of it, and then one of the, br the, the more concise pieces? Oh, okay. Um, it's a little bit unfair, but I'm feeling unfair. So. <laughs> um, so Night Beasts in the Backyard is one of my favorites in the collection. And it is, uh, let's see, it's four stanzas long. Um, so I'll this will be kind of a teaser. Um, yeah. And so in order to read the rest of the poem, you have to buy the collection. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so I'll read At the, the Kentucky first, Book Fair. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I'll read the first two stanzas. 
night beasts in the backyard. Often, as I fall asleep, an owl mutters in the yellow wood. As daydreams fade, the owl stays, a horned blank against a starless sky, riding on the wind that sithers through the pines. Sunk into himself, all head and gut, his eyes search light across the paths of mice he's come to murder. His cries muddle with the wind from northern places and lull me back to nothing, my old home. Last night in my driveway, I caught in my high beam a coon, adopted daughter of the town, plump as the fatted calf on neighbor's garbage, her back arched high as the cat's. She stared a slattern stare from behind her bandit's mask, her bony digits fingering the gravel. Then she loped away, veering sideways, daring me to outrage at her trespass and her pillage. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, what, what description? What, uh, what, 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 what choice of, uh, of descriptive words? And uh, that's, that's beautiful. And, and they'll have to read the rest of it to, to find out what happens. Yes, it's just yeah. an incredible poem. Yeah. So you have to read the rest of it. And here's, here's one that's um, an example of her just really, I mean, all of her poems are tightly constructed. Um, but here's one that just you cannot believe so much can be packed into just a few lines. Now, I am 71, and I remember my mother after her long marriage, alone in her house 10 miles from town. Now I live in the stillness that surrounded her. I hear the echoes that played in her ears. I am familiar now with the price she paid for the smile on her face as she waved goodbye to all of us after our Sunday visit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's certainly rooted in place. Julia Johnson, thanks so much for joining us on uh, Thank You Humanities podcast. Again, the Kentucky Book Fair on November the 18th. Uh, we will see you there, and uh, uh, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks so much for having me. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm.